January 1st, New Year's Day, 2003. It's the Watt from Pedro Show.
Watt from Pedro Show, New Year's Day 2003, here at the Love Grotto on the Pleasure Point. Happy New Year. Brother Matt there with the essential set assistance. Got Andy on board. Hello out there. Pedro Cat, <laughs> come to visit. And from New York, or I should say West Mass slash New York City, Mr. Thurston Moore. Happy New Year, 2003. Oh, there's a Pedro Harley, uninvited. And Dave Markey up from uh, Hollywood. Mama. Yep, West Hollywood. West, I'm sorry, yeah. West Hollywood. Right across the street from the Starwood. We just did some recording, right, Thurs? Okay. We just, I just did some recording. You did. We played together. Yeah, we did a uh, Tom Rapp song. Tom Rapp, who was a singer in a group called Pearls Before Swine. They were kind of a interesting group from uh, the uh, northeast region of the United States. I think they're kind of Vermont, New York... Axis, sort of folky, kind of Woodstock folky guys. Oaks. Yeah, they kind of uh, did a couple of records on ESP, which is like this radical underground label sure. from uh, the '60s on the East Coast, and they were kind of a kind of a folk, kind of hippie folk group that um, protest singers that had a lot of sort of protest, anti-Vietnam involvement songs at the time. And we yeah, we did it. There was a tribute record to Tom Rapp and Pearls Before Swine uh, that came out last year. It was pretty good. It had people like Damon and Naomi on it. I think they were sort of instrumental with it. Even <laughs> That's like, a trip. Yeah, and even groups like Ghost from Japan. Um, you know, they're kind of a legendary group for a lot of people who are into the history of, like, kind of U.S. psychedelia folk musics from the 60s and 70s. They're kind of a heavy deal in a way. They've become a heavy deal in retrospect. Pearl Before Swine. Tom Rapp and Pearls Before Swine. Because wow. they did a few really cool What I heard cool didn't records. sound too psychedelic. No, not that song so yeah. much. But there are, so, I, I think they just sort of fit in the whole psychedelia thing because you know, everybody was like tripping, tripping out and Their sort brains. of like looking for like <laughs> an answer. Anyway, Tom Rapp was kind of an interesting cat and he still is. He's been sort of performing a lot lately. He's going to come back. He's, That's what his website says. There's been a says. resurgence of interest in Tom Rapp lately. So he's been doing gigs and uh, there's doing a second volume of this tribute record that we were asked to do this song called uh, the fourth, fourth day, day of july, july which was uh which was like a it's about know, all these kids uh vietnamese kids who were burnt who are going to pay a visit to the white house yeah. it's a great <laughs> running through the white house <laughs> into welcome open arms of Nixon. you know effigy that creedence song basically yes. the bottom yeah, line yeah, of that yeah. song is they're going to go to the white house and burn it down <laughs> you know they used his song for this commercial, right? Fortunate son. He's there was a story in the LA Times. He's very angry, John Fogerty. Yeah, he doesn't own that. He stuff. doesn't control the music, and even though they paid him, no, the guy he from Fantasy Records. It. He says it, it's another nail in those uh, in the coffin of those uh, ideals from sixty. Well, you know, you can't you can't uh, can't put your arms around a memory. Yeah, man, and you say. can't extinguish ideas. I saw that on the Sopranos yeah. episode. They use that song. <clears throat> and who knows, you know? <laughs> I mean, you can sell it. I think Kid Rock does it for an encore with flags and stuff. Kid Rock does that song? Right on. And, like, some reporter asked him, well, what does that mean to you? What does that song mean to you? And he goes, well, I think of vets. You're right. While well, he's drinking warm beer from a peanut butter jar. <laughs> <laughs> he's the real deal. Yeah, the real deal. 
Okay, hey, here's some Petra Hayden, Watt from Pedro Show.
From Pedro's show, <coughs> that was seven seconds with Get a Different Life. Before that was Super Celtic with Banshee, and we started off Petra Hayden with Moon Milk. 
here you with told special me, uh, guest uh, Thurston Moore. You said Petra you has, a, she did the entire Who sellout record? Yeah. I told her about... Acapella? Yeah, me and D. Boone really like that record as boys, you know, and... What's your favorite Who song? Uh, the Good's Gone. I like that one a lot. I like, or, uh, my favorite one is... Um, much Too Much, or So Sad. Horace the Spider. The Boone's favorite was uh, sun, <laughs> Sunrise. He said, this is Townsend playing jazz, Bones. Listen. <laughs> you know, we were just boys. Did too. you ever see The Who play? Yeah. Once in 73. With with Moon? Keith Moon. It was Quadrophenia. 73, so you were like 14, something like that. 16. 16. 17. 1957, yeah. you were born? 58. 57. Today, uh, New Year's Day, I went and did the polar bear dunk at Cabrillo Beach here. What was the water temp? Oh, what did it say on the certificate? God, I didn't read you guys, it. it was, they came with me. They gawked. They wouldn't take the plug. It was like summertime down there. I would have to do it naked. Yeah, I didn't have shorts with me. I just got back Sorry. from like a blizzard. <laughs> they, I told you they just redid it. Well, I had yeah. snow nice, up to my knees. For here, me to get out here, I had to spend an hour and a half shoveling out of my driveway. Wow. Drive 15 miles an hour to the airport. Took off on time because they had taken care of the airport. It was in Boston, so they still know how to do that. And uh, yeah, got us out the of there. Well, I, it's like it's surreal. Like I can't this, even think huh? about what, where I was. Where I was at? Cause it's such a different land. Well, they have to de-ice. Sometimes it sits there for an hour. Yeah. Well, the blizzard was the day before, so they had like they had okay. they had a lot of time to clean it up before we got there. So you get to go back tomorrow. And tomorrow there's supposed to be another. All this lame sunniness. Tomorrow there's supposed to be another snowdrop. Just in time. Can you dig it? That's I can dig it. <laughs> <laughs> so tomorrow at this time, I'll be like sledding down the hill oh. with my daughter. <laughs> kind of weird. You sled. Well, you can go the Sledding's mountains here. Yeah, they got the snow flowing. Big bear up and sure. stuff like that. And then there's the mojave. You can go desert dune buggy in or whatever. That's true. And then there's the water. You can plank. So Bike. I, I have two bikes now. You can pedal. Options. Yeah. We so got a pot pedal, an bro, Yeah, man. I got some more vacation. Time. You hear the gling gling? No, I haven't heard it. I've been doing it. Yeah? What time? Did it this morning. What time? Seven. Oh, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have heard that. <laughs> <laughs> so why? Well, you got what records do you have coming up this year? 2003. What's 2003. the year? What's 2003 for what? What's, what are you, the what second are your plans? man, my organ bass drum tree. You gonna do a second man? You gonna do a record? Yeah. You gonna do a tour? It's my parallel of Dante's Divine Comedy. It's called wow, really? Second Man's Middle Stand. It's about my sickness that almost killed me a couple of years. Oh, ago. so you're finally here to document this? It's documented. It's finally. <coughs> who and are the Who are the second men? Pedro guys, Pete Mazich on organ, Jerry Trepatich on drums. And you have you recorded yet? No. Oh, so you're going to record? Near. And then you're going to go and out. And Pedro. You, yeah, no, and then you're going to take it out? Then I'm on tour starting D. Boone's birthday, April Fool's. 2003, I do my 50th tour. Excellent. That intense? Yeah. 5-0. 5-0. And you were mentioning earlier, Watt, that you wrote 60 songs in its entirety. 60 lyrics. 60 lyrics. Yeah, I have a book coming out January 11th. You're going to drive up there, right? January 11th, Mike is going to be performing with two French-Canadian guys in Montreal doing a Minutemen set. In honor of uh, this release of a book that this guy from Montreal 
uh, put out of all of Shuffle. Watts' lyrics from the Minutemen. Just Minutemen or Minutemen and solo no, stuff? No, it's only my Minutemen lyrics. Only the Minutemen stuff. And then it has other ephemeral stuff spiel. in it. It has a tour spiel that Black Flag and Minuteman did at the beginning of 83. Europe, right. U.S. It has an intro from Carducci, one from Richard Meltzer, one from Uthers. Right. Have you seen the cover of the book? All the Pettibone artwork for Minuteman. Yeah. That sounds awesome. So this guy's putting this book out. And it's because it's French Canada. It's bilingual. It's bilingual. Uh. They're flying Watts so to Pedro, Montreal. Pedro Spiel translate over to right. French. And he's going to play a Minutemen song. Are you just going to play Watt Minutemen songs? The ones you wrote lyrics to? Yeah. We're going to do T-Rex. They want me to do Firehouse oh, at the end. They want me to do cool. Sturge's song. When's that happening? Uh, January 11th. Everybody show wow. up. Go on Watt's Hoot site. Hoot, Hoot page. page. And uh, check it out. Yeah, and then you got a gig on the 14th. A few days later, I got to go to Where? Boston. I'm going to play a, a duo, guitar drum duo, the drummer from a Lightning Bolt. Oh wow, you know that's a guys? crazy band. That's yeah, a girl crazy. band, huh? No, 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 no. Lightning Bolt's two guys from. Uh, well, my thing, yeah, no girl band. The girls like them. Well, they go crazy. It's a bass and a drummer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not just mean. girls. I mean, it's it's it's. No, not, but they got so. girls that go off with them, which is uh, for a physical band. That's kind of unusual. Well, everybody sort of circles around because they yeah. set anywhere up. They set their stuff up anywhere but the stage. Wow. So is there so a scene the guy in has Providence? Like his bass rig and it just goes to the ceiling, and uh, plays the really loud just, and distorted. Yeah, just loud and he's really good. And the drummer just is like this wild drummer, and they just do these jams, and they're just—it's really intense. People, and people run just, around. People just circle around them, and they just like get really hectic. Oh, uh, what do like, you You know, they don't pogo, Lightning they don't bolt. start slamming. They're just like they just get hectic. <laughs> Who are you really, playing with, the drummer? I'm just playing with the drummer. So, <laughs> is there a Providence scene? Oh yeah, there's a there's a Providence scene from the last few years that sort of came out of this kind of uh, enclave called uh, Fort Thunder, which were all these kind of people lived practice and they were pad. like artists, oh, practice pad. Collective. People were painting, doing all kinds of stuff, and these bands sort of came out of there, and they were sort of the they were the heaviest in a way. There's a band called Black Dice. That's oh, they're really from good. there too. Now they're living like in Brooklyn and stuff, and they're pretty cool. There's what a do you few think about other Brooklyn. Ones. Better than Manhattan. Well, Brooklyn is sort of this place where it's, it's a little more affordable for people to move in and live on the cheap and have bands and stuff like that. You know, Manhattan. There's is, a lot more gigs there now. There's gigs there. It's mm-hmm. its own community, and it's like Des is there, so that kind of creates a lot of heat. <laughs> so <laughs> a lot of tension. <laughs> different kind different, of tension. New dynamic. And uh, so no, it's there's this whole new there's a whole new vibe going on. And then there's all this commercial vibe going on. Of, right, the like, yuppies are you, trying to uh, yeah, and sort of like the, the rock and roll, the new rock bands that everybody's oh, talking about. Scene. The whole Strokes thing and all that kind of stuff. Ah, but, so some militant street cred. But there's like there's do you want new wave or do you want the truth? Yeah, clearly. <laughs> right. What's your take on Joe Strummer? I never met Joe Strummer. I always wish I did, but I had now my only interaction with Joe Strummer is like in the eighties I was playing with Lydia Lunch as her uh, bass player. And we did a few gigs, this one lineup. And we did this one gig at the Peppermint Lounge in New York City. <laughs> and it was a big gig and everybody was there and like Strummer was there, and Mick Jones was there and like we were playing and Lydia was doing her thing and it was like this really like kind of death knell kind of rock. And Strummer was standing there the whole set looking up at us going, Bollocks! Bollocks! 
Yeah. <laughs> that was my only interaction with Joe Stromer. Definitely not a schmooze. <laughs> Lydia's got an interesting website called sexanddonuts.com. Sex and Donuts? Yeah. I didn't know that. And, uh, yeah, know. she has No, it's pretty, called it, Sex and Something Else. It's Sex and Donuts? Yeah, and it's got a big rant on uh, the current state of affairs. And Well, you know, she's very opinionated. That's all right. She did a great rap at all tomorrow's parties last yeah. year. Her whole thing yeah. about... Uh, yeah, she's, you know... She's, w and everything. And get over there. Yeah, she's not really... Uh, you know, Lydia's not really... Um, Soft-spoken. Yeah, and she has certain viewpoints Word about the current her. administration. That, I think she's gotten a lot more political since I've ever seen her. I mean, she really went off on this big yeah. rant, you know, in this post-9-11 world of, uh, you know... That's what this website's about. Right. Yeah, she's, like, not, not staked. She's not taking it lying down. She nailed it. She was right on. She's saying on... On uh, Death Valley, sixty nine. Yeah, she's an old friend. You know, I mean, I always like was she was like a real icon to me when I first moved to New York because she was really radical. Even though know, she was my Teenage age, Jesus, really radical. Like she really sort of just like was, you know, pushing boundaries left and right down. Did you see Teenage Jesus gigs? Yeah. You know what I loved about the the credits was the it said drum. Yeah. What was his name? Well, Bradley, Bradley Field, that's all yeah. he played was a snare drum. He said drum. Yeah, we used to practice well, Orphans, Bradley Field's the greatest game. top 40 hit to, ever, Orphans. To, when we first started, we were, well, not when we first started, but we were pra- early on we practiced in Bradley Field's basement. Which is, is he dead? And that's how I met Lydia, and then I started is playing. Is he dead of heroin? He died of, uh, I think he died of different things. I, um, he he didn't really treat himself too good. I think he might have died of um, AIDS. It's I hard to be an think. older punk rocker. Huh? He was he was really interesting because he came out of the real early wave of coming out of Cleveland, like the whole thing of Perubu. Oh yeah, Lofner. Yeah, that really pre-punk kind of like Midwest scene that were all those radical attracted electric eels and all that stuff. Yeah, and he was that first wave Tim that Wright. came to New York and started doing things there that became like no wave. But you know, they went there because Anton. Anton Fury. Yeah. Yeah, that was a kind of interesting scene. Uh, Petrovich is telling me, Petkovich, you know, Cleveland, about how important those New York City journeys were. These guys would go off. Oh, yeah. Really, Cleveland isn't that far. Cleveland is really. What, four or five hours? A remarkable kind of breeding ground for, like, a lot of what happened in the U.S. as far as punk rock. Like, they were the. There was the first place that was, like, reacted to hearing about. Television and Patti Smith and the Talking Heads out of RISD and stuff like that. Cleveland was like there was an enclave in Cleveland, like Peter Laffner and all yeah. these guys who were doing music that was similar in, att- in intent. You know, people like um, I heard he definitely tur- like tried Caribou out for television in Electric Eels. And, Did you and, hear uh, about that? That he tried oh, out yeah. for television. And uh, so there was like a communication thing going on there between Cleveland and New York that was really interesting. And then a lot of Cleveland people sort of came to New York. You know, and that's, you know, Tim Wright, yeah, getting involved with right, Lindsay DNA. doing DNA, which was like this remarkable group. You know, uh, it's funny. I've been reading, uh, like, Jack Rabbit's still doing his big takeover, and it's still thick as ever. And yeah, yeah. There was a spiel in there with Dave Thomas, who was Crocus Behemoth yeah. in those days. And he used to always live them days down, right? Right. Uh, the rock and roll or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Now he is very much kind of proud of this. Thing. Well, so in retrospect, you can sort of see like how, how uh, Rocket from the Tombs. Yeah, I mean, a lot of those bands even now still, you know, people look at them because they've been reissuing all this stuff now, right. CDs and stuff, and it's like, 
It's amazing, man. That Rocket from the Tomb CD that got reissued this year. Yeah. It's incredible. The first half of that thing is incredible. Yeah. And uh, Cheetah Chrome. Yeah. I had an interesting uh, thing last tour with Cheetah coming to my gig. He lives in Nashville now. He lives where? In Nashville. Married some girl there. Cheetah Chrome. And uh, he came to the boat and, you know, my Morgan player's never been on tour before and 18 years of wedding bands, you don't really know the punk scene too well. And you didn't know who Cheetah Chrome was. And this guy's beating on the door. I'm conked, right? Because I conked before the gigs. And Pete's like, what's up? And this guy, Cheetah, pulls a knife on Pete. Pete says, you're going to have to kill me because I'm going to keep coming. And so, you know, Cheetah Why do you put do the that? knife around. Why do you pull a knife? Baracho, I don't know. Just show, was he just, just he was just showing off, right? Was he, was he, was he a little, uh, yeah, Baracho. A little Baracho. As we say here. <laughs> yeah, weird. so... Well, he, used to go weird out, he used to go out with this girl named Jita. Cheetah used to go out with a girl named Jita. <laughs> her name was Jita Gash. <laughs> she was the perennial punk rock girl in Because uh, they New moved York. to New York City for a while. Big frizzed I stayed with Jimmy Zero in Cleveland. Leopard skin. A complete pipes, opposite ripped. to Cheetah is Jimmy Zero. Oh, uh, yeah, Very Jimmy Zero, yeah. yeah. And Johnny Blitz. Who got stabbed. Yeah, I remember going to the Blitz Benefit. Uh, Jimmy told me about That's riding like, in the cab with him. We're talking all he like used st- to carry a knife, too, until Blitz got stabbed, and he's riding in the cab, and he's bleeding all over. He told me it was so cold, right? New York City, freezing, snowy night, and the blood was making everyone warm. Because <laughs> he's gushing out of Mike, 98 degrees. Out of Johnny Blitz? Yeah. How did you know about this stuff? Jimmy told me. I stayed with him last tour. Where does he live? Cleveland. He never left. And how'd you hook up with him? He came to the gig. I had him on stage, and we did Little Doll, TVI, Stooges, the great unifier. <laughs> uh, Dave. Yeah. We, uh, me and the second men did five gigs with uh, Chris Novoselic and Kirk Kirkwood's new band. Bud, Bud Gaw, too. I said Bud Gaw. <laughs> <laughs> or Bud from Sublime, as he's usually known. Called Eyes Adrift, and you made a video. Yeah, I shot a video in uh, September, followed them for about a week, a week and a half or so, through Texas. Uh, mostly filmed at Austin, but also filmed some in uh, Dallas and Houston. Kurt's living and, in Austin, uh, yeah. Yeah, mostly shot at Kurt's house, actually, for the most part, and uh, various other kind of Austin locales. And uh, did this video on Super 8, and uh, came out pretty cool. Speaking of uh, Kirkwood Brothers... I got an email from, uh, quote, Chris's girlfriend, and he wants to talk to me. I haven't spoke with him in many years. Yeah, I haven't heard from him. She said he's doing better. That's what I hear. That's what the word is. Well, uh, that's how Kurt Kurt told me on the tour. But, I mean, doing better for him would mean mean (laughs) that's... Between the brothers, it's very heavy. Right. So what, what was the theme of this video here, Alaska? Well... I just think it was funny because it was the song's called Alaska and it has nothing to do about Alaska. It was you know all filmed in Texas and <laughs> in What's the your summer. Song with the word Alaska, Thurston. It's so cold in Alaska, yeah, Berlin, right, Lou Reed. Uh, What's that like methamphetamine feel, huh? Okay, people so people all cur- call her Alaska, right? Oh, it's Lou Reed because when she Airlines takes speed, is. yeah, right. That song, yeah, one. Right? There's two Caroline says. Right. They're taking her children away. The kids. But I don't think Kirkwood's song has anything to do with that. Uh, I just think it's kind of, uh, 
you know, a kind of um, typical kind of Kurt song, you know. <laughs> well, let's play it right now, Watt for Pedro Show.
shadows dear and grace mercy and justice throughout every race true love cast out all evil true love cast out all evil true love cast out all evil right now right now love has its time all the time all the time all the time we are meant to love one another all in harmony rhyme and sometimes word rhyme true love cast out all evil true love cast out all evil true love cast out all evil right now right now Living is a necessity, please do not die Living the good life with God You abide, true love, cast out all evil True love, cast out all evil True love, cast out all evil Right now, right now Good standards are set Never left good standards by and what hope Love, love, only love True love, cast out all evil True love, cast out all evil True love, cast out all evil Right now, right now, right now
Carnage Asada here on the Watt from Pedro Show. Dave Markey. Yeah. Tell us about Carnage Asada. Carnage was a band that existed for about six years. Started in about 94 and... Uh, two basses? Two basses. Actually, three basses. Uh, and he went to drums? There was two drums? Yeah. It was a multi-rhythmic band. Two drums, two basses, two guitars. Des Cadena was in the band for a while. Des? Steve Reed, Dave Jones... Dave Travis and Dave Markey, four Daves in the band. Tell us about this record here. It made fun for <laughs> practice. What about hey, Dave, this record, this, record uh, this was the the only single that the band put out. Uh, the song was uh, Raymond's what? Casket. Can you know something about that? Thurston was asking about the singer. Singer is uh, George Murillo. From, Looked like uh, a Latin Joe Stalin. Yeah, he's a East LA poet. By way of Venice Beach, and some Pally High, and Palisades Bust High. Pally. That's where they. That's where those guys all hooked up. High school buddies. They used to get the cats from uh, Wilmington, Fleming. Yeah, yeah. At Dodson. Mm-hmm. It's the first time I. I was. You know, I came from Navy Housing in Virginia, and all this Wilma's in the desk. I was, God, this Wilma lady gets around. Or sisters. <laughs> <laughs> Tell what happened you know, to you this morning, Walt, when you were trying Wilma's. to take a picture over there at the Naval Housing. Oh yeah, you got rested again today? No, that wasn't this morning. That was oh. last week. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they didn't. They didn't dig uh, me taking pictures Another of the sunrise. Search. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm obviously, and I, t- I was talking to Raymond. 
Pettibone yesterday about this and saying, hey, Raymond, should I get an FOI? You know what that is? No. Freedom of Information Act, see what your file is. Uh-huh. He says, watch you do that, you're on another list. <laughs> so True. He broke his heel in Holland. Yeah, he was doing his painting the way he preps his shows. He goes to the gallery a week early and paints on the walls, and this scaffolding they put up was too lame, and it collapsed on him. Oh, bogus. He was almost killed, he told me. Den Hog. Was he able to uh, get his show set up? Yeah. Raymond is a trooper. He's a soldier. He uh, persevered. And he can walk on the ball of his foot, but he's got a cast can't hang with the crutches i couldn't stand my crutches either man they kill your arm yeah pants. yeah it's torture yeah. hey you end up wanting to fall down and cause new injuries yeah <laughs> what yeah. gallery was it in den hog den hog <laughs> yeah the, or the hague like they the like to say here in the u.s right the hague what's den hog famous where they're try try uh they're hogs. there's a there's a famous uh trial going there with Mr. Milosevic right in that Hague oh. right now for inspiring some crazy problem stuff. that's still going on the trial is yeah in fact only one of the bosses has uh, pleaded guilty the, the lady who was uh, in charge of the Serb Republic in Bosnia and she s- says she has nightmares so that's maybe old uh, I want to see W on trial <laughs> you know we're not part of this court we're not. Right, it was part of stipulation to have our troops in Bosnia. Yeah, it's 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 bizarre, but uh, there's certain things about the land I'm not too proud of. Huh? Maybe we can change it. Maybe there are some trippy things. Yeah. Before uh, Carnage Asada, we had Rocky Erickson, "True Love Cast Out All Evil." You like that song, Thurston? Yes. It's, that's that's a nice song. <laughs> Before that, Suburban Suicides by the Controllers. You picked that. That's another another winner, yeah. Another nice song. Got Mad Dog Carla on the drums. Yeah, Mad Dog Carla, Get Well. Yeah, no longer able to play drums. Yeah. One of the In fact, best they, auctioned, uh, they auctioned the drum set off at that benefit I played. Yeah. Get her monies because she, MS has got her. She was a kick-ass drummer. You know, yeah. I was reading that uh, interview with uh, one of the guys in the band. Was it Kid Spike and the, who's the other guy? Johnny Stingray. Johnny Stingray. He was saying, like, when they first started... Yeah, they came from Michigan or something. They weren't from... Oh, yeah? Yeah. But they were hanging out by down by the pier. The first drummer when they came here was Paul Rossler. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Yeah. Show you how everything's connected. They said they saw Mad Dog playing in the mask and was just jamming around some people, and she was just totally tearing it up. Yeah. They had to have her. They played her. She was wild. She's wild. Before that, we had uh, Alaska, Eyes Adrift, uh, featuring a video made by Mr. Dave Markey on lead paper bag there. Yeah. <laughs> paper uh, bag. Gathering the basura. This is paper bag, SST Records, paper bag. Right. <laughs> they, uh, you know, you know what's unique about that band? <laughs> paper bag? Yeah, they don't have songs, right? They jam. Right. Which is kind of what Carnage did. Yeah. That was, it was, right, you didn't mention that. It was, it, it mention it was that. an improvised band, yeah, all the songs. I mean, they kind of turned into songs after, you know, 50 gigs. But um, at first there was no structure, then structure slowly worked its way in. And was it a detriment? another rock band. Did it um, end up hurting the band or helping the band? I don't know. It, the band seemingly, you know... You became slaves to the composition. <laughs> Thirst, what's three. up for you this year? 2003, oh, recording music Well, I think... Um, we're gonna get, you know, we're gonna start rehearsing, because you know we gotta rehearse. We don't practice, we rehearse. 
So we're going to rehearse? Kim's got an EVO. What's that? It's a little Gibson bass, sort of like the one I play. Oh, yeah? That's on the picture. <laughs> I haven't seen it live, but Bob T. You don't even know the instrument with your wife? No, plays? no, I have no you idea. Didn't look? It's a little bass, a little Gibson yeah. bass. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. I know what it was called. It's great. It's only got one pickup, so it's called the EBO. Oh. Where mine is EB3. It's cool. It has two pickups. <laughs> you, you mentioned you have the EB2 <laughs> looks like Chuck Berry's guitar. Yeah, I don't understand it. You said Gibson you have your next record already written? Yeah. Pretty much? I wrote was it, it here. wrote on that uh, that guitar? Yeah, the Thurston's Firebird. Thurston's had a guitar of mine for a long time, and he writes records on it. So the it's last, all right with me. The last eight years of records were written on uh, that Firebird that you left at Kim's mom's house here right. in L.A. It's right, like, come out here on the holidays, visit her mom, write uh, the album, go I home. You spend every New Year's with them, me and Kara. So, yeah, so Watt is kind of responsible for the last eight years of output. And we recorded with it today, and we thought the exactly. problem was with it, but it was actually with the little lamp. You yes. took that guitar apart today, practically. Yeah. <laughs> I bought that in Milwaukee for $200 on Firehose wow. Tour. That's a nice sounding guitar. Yeah, it's cool. I think. Anyway, so that's. We're, we're going to do that. We're going to go out. Non reverse Firebird, like the basses I play. Right. You're going to go out tour? Yeah, we'll have a new album that comes out. It's going to be called Sticky Situation. Really? And, uh, then we'll. Uh, Five Man Sonic. And then we'll <laughs> right? Huh? Five Man Sonic. Five Man Sonic. We'll yeah, go out with in uh, Mr. Uh, Jim O'Rourke. O'Rourke. We'll go out in June, I think, playing these shows here somewhere with this band called Wilco. Yeah, sure. You know those cats, uh, Uncle Tupelo. They wrote a song called yeah. D. Boone. Right. Oh, cool. So they're going to take Louis they're going to take us on the road for a couple of weeks. Cool. Doing their thing. And I, don't I know heard they I, do. I, I want to be your dog. Oh yeah. That's right here. That'll be fun. Yeah. Because I think we know how to play that. Yeah, better than Eagles. Don't let them do any Eagles. <laughs> the Eagles, you know, the Eagles were like one of the biggest selling bands in the history of like late 20th century rock and roll. Yeah, and little, uh, Pat Boone sold more Tutti Fruities than Little Richard, so what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what is right? You know, you play both versions and tell me which one you is know going to be in your collection. You know that when uh, Dee Dee Ramone died the same weekend as the guitar player in Rat, who sold more records? Rat. Who? In, Six million. Right. What was the guy's name? I don't know. Who, you know. No one I mean, even knows. Like there, I, don't even knew that he died. I don't think, you know, the commerce of rock really I do know one thing about Rat. With the, the bass player for the Alley Cats, Diane Chai, went on to run their fan club. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. <laughs> We're done with the first hour. Hold tight for hour two. It's nice being here. We're gonna have, we have to head back. Well, oh, let sorry. me start the next hour. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to save it, and it'll just take a minute. Oh, okay. Gracefully, sorry, I didn't mean to be, that. Was, that wasn't very graceful, I guess. <laughs> Do you want this chow water, or should I just toss it? Toss. Okay. New Year's Day, January 1, 2003. It's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro show. Uh, we're spieling with um, Mr. Thurston. <laughs> I forgot my name. Spieling. Assume we Moore, forget. Mr. Dave Markey, Andy, Brother Matt. Yeah. And yours truly, Watt. Here we are at the uh, Love Grotto on the Pleasure Point, west of the Rockies, north of the Equator, east of Tokyo. Happy New Year. Right. So, Thirst, what do you got going musically besides Sonic stuff? Well, you know, I'll probably do some some other gigs with different people here and there. Um, I don't no, know. No recording? Recording. You know, I'm, put, I'm, I'm trying to sort of figure out a way to make some coins so I could put out more records and books, because that's what I like to do. And the Aesthetic Peace label of yours. Stuff like that. And so I'm trying to think of some way to sort of maybe uh, 
sell things on uh, the internet. eBay? Good stuff. Limited edition. Oh, from a, from a site. Creative Works. Much respect. Take care. Creative and, uh, Works. Yeah. Subsidize some artistic. And, yeah, yeah, because I can't. I can't afford to do can't it. Can't float it. I can't float it, and so. But Coco's anyway, got to go to college. Coco goes to college. She's eight now. Parentage. Um. She's eight. She's eight. Right. I couldn't get her Dr. Seuss this year. I got her Smithsonian invention. That's there. good. Yeah. She's a kid. She's a young. She's young a young woman. young person now. Right. I took her to see a PG-13 movie yesterday. Which one? Chicago. What'd you think? Um, it was a slam bam musical. Yeah, my sister likes Bob Fosse. Uh, um, musicals. When I was a kid, they'd always have them on the TV. Well, this one's intense. Yeah, it's like it whaps you around the head a few times. Yeah, is it kind of Garland, kind of Liza, kind of Streisand? It's about the celebrity being a celebrity in Chicago and being in and being a a, a celebrity um, murderer. You know, for being... Uh, you murder your husband? You're Midwest. Chicago's the New York City or the L.A., you know. It's a big thing. I was conceived there. And my mother was a teenager in Peoria, and she told me how Chicago, a huge mecca to folks who live in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. To, like you or uh, me or Dave or Brother Matt being on the part of the big uh, coastal things. Chicago isn't even a blip, huh? But if you're in the Midwest, it really is a big town. No, Chicago's a, yeah, it's, it's especially earlier in, in the 20th century. Chicago was like a major, major city. Yeah, culturally, it was it was bigger than L.A. for a long time. Oh, L.A. was it was a slow sprawl. Yes, yeah, slow yeah. slope. But now Chicago, Chicago's kind of a mix of New York and L.A. because it's got big suburbs. Well, you know, the media changed everything. The more the more the more that we got uh, dependent. On the media for information. We got more coastified. You got more coastified. Okay. So that changed the culture of the of the states quite a bit. Yeah. So so you have no uh, plans musically. I have lots of plans musically. I plan to play music Personally. every day of my life. Outside of until I get assassinated. Like doing uh, so. the psychic hearts. Oh, like psychic this. hearts. Yeah. Well, what I want to do is a. Uh, I want to do a, another psychic hearts record. I want to do a record with. Um, Steve Shelley? And, uh, no, no, no. Gonna, I think it's going to change up a little bit. I think it's going to be me and uh, I'm going to get Verlaine to play guitar. Oh, wow. And uh, I think I might get this this uh, young cat to play drums from near me, Northampton, who have done some sessions. Is there a Northampton scene? I'm going to make sure indeed. I play there next tour. Where should you play? I'm, I'm going to make sure I play there. You should play there. There's because quite I've an intensive the last scene there. No, don't dodge it. Yeah, I know. It was, what was once a secondary market is now should be now tertiary. As a, <laughs> it's now tertiary. <laughs> no, but there's a scene. There is indeed a scene. There's like four or five colleges there, man. Yeah, I know, but you know how things There's a total cycles. scene there. Yeah, no, there's a place called the Flywheel, which is a community mm-hmm. arts organized club. There's a couple more official Yeah, there's a couple more officious places that you have to deal with these these Yahoos. But you know, you have a booking agent who lives around there. Call. I can help you out and put you on the right gig. Big um, Bob Lott. You know, it's a tough sometimes it's a tough draw. You have to do it at the certain yeah, or at the right time. But you know, it's a weird market right now. I know people have been coming through our area and, and Caven. You know, Caven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, things you know, life is hills and valleys. 
Okay, it's not all plateau. It's not all dry liver riverbed, right. liverhead, <laughs> liverhead. So um, it makes things interesting. And if you're in this for the long haul, you got to learn to ride with the tides, which is amazing about Sonic Youth. You cats don't burn out. I mean, not as people, of course. I know you're integrity. No, we're just getting started, dude. We're just no, but I, no, I'm talking about with the kids. They don't get tired of it. Yeah. You know, like they got tired of rat and stuff. Sure, you say six rat. million records, but six then, million records. Then nothing, right? You guys, consistent. Maybe not six million records, but consistent. You can go out there. You can uh, hire somebody to watch uh, Coco while you tour. Bring her on. You know, I, I I don't mean any disrespect to anybody who, like the guitar player Rat, who died the same week as Didi Ramon. No disrespect. I mean, the no, guy was, but like, that's who a he cycle was. of things where people. But when I think peak. of, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, Didi Ramon as being this like incredibly important figure and this musician, but they never had a gold record, and that this band Rat had platinum records. Right. So. In a way, it's it's a little weird how to sort of reflect on that. It's like to me, it's kind of enlightening in a way because it sort of shows like the the actual importance of the culture is really about those people who make such an indelible mark, like Didi Ramon, in complete disregard to the the uh, commercial aspects of what they're doing. Right. Um, whereas Rat was all about. Yeah. And Lover Boy. It was, it was cosmetic. It was cosmetic. I mean, there's lots of bands. Hey, I like Rat. I thought Round and Round was like a genius pop song. But, uh, you know, for what it's worth, it's just kind of, there is a sort of, uh, there is a sort of imbalance of of power. I mean, yeah, but when it comes to the, the economics of, of the music. But it's so. not, it's nothing that's uh, something new. It's not this new. age. It's blues an old gaze. formula. It's not blues gaze. Yeah, and, and also this cycle. Yeah, blues guys, brother, man, exactly. This cycle of uh, you have a huge commercial peak and then nothing. Those guys right. couldn't buy a gig. Oh, Whereas yeah. you cats can go out tour after tour. Year after year. And the thing doesn't get beat to death, tired. There's a new batch. You bring in young folks. You guys have never... Uh, Coddled, I read some interviews about this Murray Street record you put out, and you said it was Mersh and it was Blink-182, but that's not true. So obviously your tongue was... We said that? <laughs> you said that. Tongue actually. firmly implanted in cheek? Yeah. And like this was your Mersh record, but it wasn't your Mersh record. Well, I'm going to have a sledgehammer firmly implanted into my skull if I don't get home, because my... I have to, I have responsibilities <laughs> to my family but it, waiting for me in uh, West L.A., because i got to fly home tomorrow morning. Right. But, what but I'm getting at I is hear you. uh, you're probably more in the tradition of Didi Ramon than Rat. Well, God, you know, I would hope so, because Didi Ramon to me was like uh, just his whole approach to making a statement of an artistic statement was so uh, shockingly um, just, it, I mean, it was just so exciting. To me, it's like the Rat guy. Hey, he was exciting too in his own way, but it you knew that uh you knew Didi Ramon like was doing something that was really going to sort of change the tide into like it was a real future event in a way. 
You know what I'm saying? I, yeah, it's, yeah. It's like the other guy was. <laughs> He's playing the field. Indeed, he was a pioneer. He's a pioneer. Why do you think he quit the Ramones? Oh, I think those guys totally like. I think they tossed him. Yeah, I think they were just like just on each other's scissored? each other's case. I don't think they got along so well a lot of the times. A lot of bands, you know, they don't get along so well. Yeah, after yeah. While. After a few years, it's just because people, you know, they're not cut from the from uh, the same cloth uh, as far as like the, their ideas a lot. You know, the one group idea sort of like they did it and they adhered to it, but I got a feeling it was just, yeah, who's to say? You know. Do Mick and Keith talk to each other? I heard they got in the fist. No, I heard it was Keith and uh, Ron Wood a couple weeks ago. Got into it on stage. <laughs> See, that's the kind of, that's the show you wish you were at. Yeah, that's when you get your money's worth. <laughs> what were you saying about the Stones earlier when we were at the beach? They're, uh, the Stones... Well, it's funny because the Stones are the one band that have a longer career of being lame, kind of Tommy Hilfiger uh, bozos than they were like this really cool rock and roll band. They have a, they have a longer career of sucking than they did as ruling, <laughs> which is kind of interesting in a way. I mean, they've had they've made a longer career of just like you know full Doing out slow burn. just full out sucking, you know, what was the as first an entity. That the Stones fully sucked on. Well. It's sort of, in a way, it's, there's, it's, it's a transitional move. I think black and blue going into, you know, Emotional Rescue even had some good stuff on it. You know, was it Can't You Hear Me Knocking on Black and Blue? No, Can't You Hear Me Knocking on Sticky Fingers, which, yeah. is, which is a great record. Oh, that's right. And that's a great song. That, yeah, yeah great. and I like Goat's Head Soup, and I, I even, you know, but... I, I thought Goat's Head Soup was going down. Yeah, Goat's Head Soup was a good sort of just kind of... The newer of like, ones, I think some girls the best. My favorite one is Satanic Majesties, yeah. which I guess they made as a joke. In another land. <laughs> yeah, Bill Wyman. That was brought- credited to Bill yeah, Wyman. Bill Wyman. He sang it. Yeah, well, it's credited. Like, it doesn't say Rolling Stones. It says Bill Wyman. Uh, this song features Derek Smalls on the bass. He wrote this kind of thing. <laughs> In yeah, another it's a land. Right. Yeah. This guy was red. Nobody else's hand. That's a that, that's a great record, I think. And <laughs> I, that record used to scare me. Is, and they're yeah, making with fun the of Sergeant with a crying Pepper, baby right? on it. I used to give me Pass that joint. That was big. Yeah, right. it, it, yeah. I thought he said, "Where's that joint?" I thought he said, "Pass." Exile on Main Street. Rip this joint. Rip this joint. Gonna get Rip down. Rip this uh, yeah, Ry Cooter guitar Exile, part off. Yeah, Exile Main Street is is, is uh, yeah, my, favorite that. That's my favorite record. Rip too. this uh, Ry Cooter guitar. Did you ever hear the story about that? Ry Cooter joint. tells. They bring him into the studio. You know, hey, you, we want you on the record. And uh, he's waiting for the band to show up, and he's just playing around on the guitar. Right? No one shows up for hours, so he packs up and leaves. Well, Keith was there the whole time taping everything he played and, like, uh-huh. all those licks of the songs. <laughs> but I'm glad it's your favorite. <laughs> <laughs> now nah, it's weird about the business or the racket. I wish it was business. Huh? You know, it's just, it's just, you know, it's just music. I remember when Dinosaur first got together, people were really surprised because they were so lackadaisical about wanting to talk about themselves and there was such an industry of like 
talking about yourself when you have a band. And like I remember when Jay and Lou and Murph went to England for the first time because you know Paul Smith from Blast First kind of said, "I'll put your record out and I'll bring it to England." And it's like, okay, well, you know why not? You know we'll, we we can play anywhere. It doesn't matter where we are. Yeah, it was really amazing. And they went over there and. Uh, they were doing all these interviews because, you know, they set up all these interviews for him with NME and Melody Maker and Sounds and Kerrang! and all these magazines. And I was reading them at the time, and I remember there was one where, they, you know, they kept talking about how, like, they don't say anything. Like, Jay doesn't say anything. He just keeps, he just looks at the floor, he looks at the TV in the corner, and once in a while he responds. And they were making a big deal out of it. And uh, he, at one point, he did say something really enlightening in one of those interviews where he's just like, you know, I don't understand why everybody's so excited about music, <laughs> about bands. It's like you have all these, and it was like really interesting kind of like his perception of it was like, God, you know, this whole industry of people making newspapers and magazines and all this press and all this, you know, publicity about something that we just sort of do. It's just, it's a very natural thing and we just sort of like doing it and yeah, we like going out and playing and but he had—he was a young cat, and he just sort of didn't, you know, the whole idea of just like going out and talking about it yeah. to the nth degree and promoting it, and was just like really confounding to his young brain. It was really funny. I remember just being really amused by that at the time. Well, speaking of old dinosaur, when I was with the Ashton Brothers and Jay in London a couple of weeks ago, Lou Barlow showed up. Uh, I heard about this yeah. big reunion on stage. Well, it comes into the uh, dressing room beforehand. We're going to play after Primal Scream at Brixton Academy. And uh, he apologized for some weird stuff he had done to Jay. And he came out and sang 1969. The next night he came to the uh, Mean Fiddler and did uh, I Want to Be Your Dog with us. So Lou Barlow and Jay Maskus on the same stage. And you know what was the trippiest thing? Is Jay had his gallbladder removed before this Europe tour. He yanked it out. So he's wearing this down vest... Remember, like Pedro in the 70s, yeah. huh? Down vest to pad his guitar from where he got a gallbladder yanked. Well, Lou's wearing a down vest, too. They both are wearing down vests. <laughs> you know, probably the only dudes in, in London with down vests on, you know, and these two cats have them on. It was such a mind blow. And I know Lou didn't call Jay about it. You know, it was just total serendipity that these cats are wearing the same thing and make their big True. groundbreaking. I think it was great of Lou to, to do that, too. He's doing, I guess, Subado's done, and he's doing acoustic. He's just doing Lou Barlow. Just doing the Lou Barlow. Lou World. He lives in L.A., right? Yeah, Silver Lake. Our version of Brooklyn. <laughs> Polito. Yeah. Polito. Right? The last song on uh, Living All Over Me. Yeah. Okay. Why? You t I knew about this stuff, these tapes Lou made from you. Yeah. Right? Okay. You used to get them or something? Well, He'd yeah. Give yeah, them to he, you? Yeah, yeah. They're He'd make these collage. Now, what Lou did, he did uh, sound on sound recording, but not multi track. He'd have two tape recorders. Yeah. He'd just play one with the other on record, you know? Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Hours and hours, and one of the songs made it up on that dinosaur record. But right. I guess this is what turned into Subadub. Right. Yeah. I played a gig about a month and a half ago with Jason Lowenstein. Oh, yeah? Subadub guy. And it, there was a lot of West Mass there. There was Tim from Gobblehoof. Yeah. 
There was Eric Gaffney from uh, Where was this gig? Subadult. This was at the Derby in Los Feliz here. I mean, it was all West Mass. It had uh, Bob Fay from uh, yeah, he's out Volcano here. Sons. Right? Yeah, he's got a band called Straight to Video now. <laughs> it was a trip to play with all these cats. They could reunite and... Western Mass Hardcore was very heavy, man. Yeah, it's called Fields. Yeah, right, where Jay played uh, drums. Deep Wound. Lou was guitar. Yeah, Jay told me, too, he was heavily into Birthday Party. That's the kind of haircut he's got on the back of that first Dino record. Yeah, he, he was... He told me the concept behind Dinosaur was Meat Puppets. Not playing hardcore, but playing like... Meat Puppets. I can sort of see that. Which is a trip, because when Dee Boone gave me the record, he got a test present, and he played it for me. He goes, look, this is what East Coast meat puppets sound like. <laughs> and Jay never told him that. I told Jay that. When, I, when Jay told me that, it was, it was a trip how uh, parallel... That makes sense. Did you think that? Mm, no, I didn't know what to think. I thought they were trying to really sort of do this thing I mean it was like there was nobody doing that kind of stuff at all like coming out of hardcore and creating a band that sounded like Neil Young's Crazy Horse all of a sudden that was like you really shocking you didn't think Meat Puppets were like Neil Young? no Meat Puppets Meat Puppets, Puppets had a more the second album Meat Puppets had a real damaged kind of like aesthetic in a way they, Neil Young they were really damaged. like well because their whole first stuff their whole first records were like these like three second like blitzkrieg oh, yeah, right. things and then but they came out but have you ever heard, these, to them about that first album but Meat Puppets that, had that, that was a total Joke but Meat Puppets, Black Flag. Yeah, but uh, Bostrom wrote that. all the songs. Those aren't Kirkwood songs, right? Yeah, Meat Puppets had a more of a Grateful a goof, Dead that first kind album. Of the first real Meat Puppet album is two. They made that album up because Black Flag asked them to make an album, so they thought, "Oh, this is what they would like." <laughs> but Bostrom told me he knew about punk. The Kirkwoods really didn't know. He turned them on to. Yeah, they were in the Gentle Giant. Yeah, yeah, like Gentle Giant. Yeah, ZZ Top and and the and Dead. Neil Young. Heavily. Yeah. I got a tape where they do like 100 Neil Young covers. But, I don't know. But Jay was coming out of doing that, but with the well, same... Well, hardcore's with, weird. But with minor threat. My theory with hardcore being so much different than our kind of punk rock, we were kind of reacting against the rock and rollers. The hardcore kids were so young, that was rock and roll. For they weren't reacting against anything. They were just starting yeah, these bands. That's right, learning how to play. So these guys are into D.O., uh, no. Who's a nice man? I met him. What? Like, <laughs> I gotta go, man. I'm gonna be late. I'm gonna get in trouble. Okay. I have to go. I gotta say goodbye. Uh, yeah. And the last thing we talked about was Dio. That's like yeah. so perfect. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I I saw I met him a couple times. at did awards go. thing, it's and he told out. me about his new record. And he says, you know, I asked him what's it about, right? And he says, look, Mike, don't tell anyone. But it's about both things. And I said, what's that? And he goes, fantasy and rock and roll. Well, <laughs> I don't tell anybody. But that's heavy metal. Okay, look, I didn't mean to keep you. No, I know, but I have to go. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get. Yeah. I have a. Plane All my to sympathy. Catch. Thanks for coming by. In fact, in your honor, I'm gonna play some Slater Kinney, a song called "Sympathy." Thank you very much, Thurston Moore, Dave Markey. Thanks, Watt. You gotta come next uh, year, and we'll make time for a whole show. And you bring records and learn yeah, me like you did last time. Definitely. Remember all that stuff I'd never heard in my life. I'll bring some records that next again time. to me. Next time I come... That was stuff from your label. Yeah. Next time I come to L.A., I'll bring stuff. Hermano. I wasn't supposed to be here today. It was like... Hermano like, de uh, Moore. Huh? That was your brother you played at one of his Yes. Tunes. Gene Moore. Gene Moore. What I'm putting stuff? out a... Uh, the next Ecstatic Peace record is by um, George Moore, which is my nephew. 
um, and it's a record of plastic flowers. And then I'm going to put another Gene Moore record out. And then I'm going to put a Daniel Moore record out. That's another nephew. I'm only putting records out by my family members. Where can they get info on the web for this? I don't know. It's We're not pre- on your Sonic uh, site? <laughs> not yet. Not yet? Scratch Records. It's a distribution house out of um, Vancouver. Yeah. Okay. Do a search. Do a Google for Scratch Records, and you'll find Ecstatic P stuff on there. Thanks so much, Thursday. Thanks, Walt. Have a, yeah. you know, pleasant trip. Brother Matt, North, thank you West for letting LA. us do this. Thurston, safe seas on your flight back to Snowy Land. Fantastic. Okay. I'll see you on the E. Give me the E's. Keep me in the hip with the tip. You know, don't lose your grip. You're next contestant. Do you want to flip? <laughs> Slater Kinney, Watt from Pedro Show. I know I come to you only when in need. I'm not the best believer. I'm not the most deserving. All I am, all I am, all I can. Baby
from Pedro Show. That's Henry's uh, first band, State of Alert, with Lost in Space, Dave Markey Choice, after a couple hits on the balloon. <laughs> He's lost his face. Hopefully he gets uh, Thurston home safe. And before that, Slater Kinney with Sympathy, off their new record. Uh, Thurst had to shove off and stuff, but don't be sad. Happy time now. Brother Matt, spin cycle. I don't know if it's going to be happy time right now. This this guy here is going to stir us up. He's a little bit angry. Oh, yeah. Right now we're going to go down. All the way down. Going down in the motherfucking gut. That's the only way you can reach some brothers. Mothers, this is your chance to take the keys and leave the room. Trying to shock nobody or nothing. It's just time to get some truth in this motherfucker. Nigga, 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 nigga. Talking that shit, make his dick get bigger. Killer, 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 killer. Sell out niggas, talking about killing niggas. I'm sick of this shit, it was fresh, now it's time. Rapping, keep it real when you know he's alive. Sell out niggas, get his beat the truth. Nigga, kill a nigga before he leave his shoe. Crackhead nigga with his finger on the trigger. Hound drug shit is all he'll deliver. Rapping about his woman who he calls a bitch. But he's the one who's turning tricks. Sell out nigga, sell his soul for the paper. But all he gonna catch is the motherfucking vapors. If the boy only had an original style, he could rock the mic and drive us wild. But he's sucking on a bottle like a baby child. Silly ass nigga, even afraid to smile. Strong black man, he gave his life so this young black man could have the right. But all he wanna do is fuck the strong man's wife. Jack up for her money just to suck a crack pipe. Blowing on the devil, how he gets his thrill. Rolling all around, talking about keep it real. When you hear him saying, nigga, 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 rapping about nothing with his finger on the trigger. The sellout nigga just can't be saved. Sell out nigga, ain't he nothing but a slave. Nigga, 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 nigga. Talking that shit. Nigga, Can we go there? Nigga. Can we go all the way there? Somebody's bitch 
disrespect this woman, disrespect yourself, disrespect to me, it be bad for his health. Rapping, giving niggas how he gained his wealth, and it's the same damn way that he played itself. House nigga, house nigga, time is up, like a fresh piece of butcher you just got fucked.
still get letters in the mail, mostly from crack-up men in tiny rooms with factory jobs or no jobs, or living with whores and no women at all, no hope, just booze and madness.
worse off than most of them. But I wonder if they realize where their litter arrives. Well, it is dropped into a box on a wire fence behind a six-foot hedge in a long driveway to a two-car garage, rose garden, fruit trees, animals, a beautiful woman, mortgage about half paid after a year's residence, a new car, two cars, fireplace and a green rug two inches deep. With a young boy to ride my stuff now. With a young boy to ride my stuff now.
We've had some technical difficulty here at the uh, Love Grotto. Some troubles. <laughs> the, the, during the spin cycle here, Mother Matt lost 
use of his machine. What's up? And uh, we had some good beats and grooves going, and now we have None. empty air, so I have to f- fill it with spiel, <laughs> which is well, big dilemma. Again? Yeah, let's kick it back in, brother man. Let's see if it were to take two. Right. No. no. We're denied. Shut. So maybe we're going to have to play 45s for the rest of the gig. Live songs. Sing live. Wow. Well, sometimes this happens. Now, Brother Matt takes his gear and takes it on the road. And, in fact, he went down the alley here to do something at uh, Chuck Sands' pad. Uh, Crane gave a big spiel. Yeah. Right? Made people sad. They needed it. Because he told them not to listen to the news. Don't check out the crap. Yeah. Put on your bullshit detector. And people didn't want to hear that. They wanted to hear about how well the stock market should be doing. Or how how uh, much confidence they have in uh, some of the garbage collectors we've hired. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> or, much confidence factor. Yeah. <laughs> the polls. It was trippy how people were like totally in, into the mainstream thought wave. You know, they got pissed that he said, don't watch the news. Like and it was supposed to be a hip party, um, and a bunch of square John attitude. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess that's uh, so. It shows you it's not the clothes; it's the ideas. It doesn't, it's not who you know or who you're seen with. Sometimes there's going to be folks who are going to say stuff that kind of rocks a boat a little bit. And if you knew Crane, he is a gentle man. He's tall, but he's gentle, and. uh he just has a feeling in his gut that certain things are kind of screwy and so makes those thoughts known to others and they don't want to hear about it. And uh, he didn't have to throw chingasos, did he? No, 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 oh, okay. nothing like that. It was just uh, somebody's uh, shell of understanding was cracking. Uh-oh. <laughs> Was being indented. Yeah. So, uh, and uh, well, I remember last year, what happened was Chuck Sands had a bunch of instruments on the roof, and people came up and jammed. Was it like that this time? Brother Matt called me to come, but of course, what? In his he-man fashion, fell asleep at nine o'clock. <laughs> there was a uh, yeah. There was there was people doing their musician things. Seemed like there was kind of maybe a band that was there. Um, there was some wacky chick who was obnoxious and a pain in the ass. Oh, kind of man. getting in everybody's way. Um, it, was, it was a cool bunch, a little too much happening in one little space, maybe. Too much weight? But uh, Not enough weight? <laughs> too much balsa wood? A little distribution factor. <laughs> a little, uh, well... But it worked. People had fun. I think people put a lot of expectations on a New Year's party. Yeah. Uh, yeah, too much. It doesn't seem like very very realistic. Because the image in all this. Mm-hmm. And instead of letting it grow. And so maybe... Uh, it doesn't quite work out. You know, you got a great little spiel here. It's called Basic Training. Oh, yeah, yeah. That thing's What's the story behind this? Um, my friend gave it to me. And she's just like a real common sense master. Um, 
and uh, thought that I could use it for, for my classes since I deal with misfits and stuff. Um, not misfits, but that's just uh, said affectionately. Yeah. <laughs> um, Endearment. So, yeah. So, uh, but it's just a basic thing. If, if you're trying to teach people whatever you're trying to teach them, you know, some people still haven't got like bare basic, essential, fundamental building block things, and that's like a good place to start. Well, I'll tell you, a lot of folks in the music racket could learn from this. Here's it's called basic training. And it's not military, so don't worry. If you open it, close it. If you turn it on, turn it off. If you unlock it, lock it. If you break it, repair it. If you can't fix it, call someone who can. If you borrow it, return it. If you use it, take care of it. Like me with that uh, Louis Lamar book. It took me a long time to get that back to Brother Matt. What a space case I Number eight, if you make a mess, clean it up. If you move it, put it back. If it belongs to someone else, get permission to use it. If you don't know how to operate it, leave it alone. If it doesn't concern you, don't mess with it. Your cooperation is appreciated and required. <laughs> so that's a good little spiel. Yeah, just keep it simple. Yeah. Nuts and bolts kind of thing. So we ready to make another try? We could try something. All right, here we go. Plan B. Bravo. Well, something's coming. It's coming. A little quick. Day, January 1, 2003, third hour of the Watt from Pedro show. Uh, there was no goodbye at the end of the second hour because we were spacing. Or I was. The technical difficulties Telling interfered. Uh, Throwing a the monkey flow. wrench yeah, with the into flow. the uh, CNN broadcast of your life. <laughs> You're secretly in defiance of that. And here is part 19, part 19 of the fourth tower of Inverness. As we look in on the stately old Victorian mansion, we see Jack Flanders and Dr. Missoula standing in the good doctor's laboratory. They are discussing Dr. Missoula's narrow escape from the monstrous dragon. He must weigh about four tons. But how did it happen? Hmm, how did it happen? Well, I decided to investigate his cave. Unarmed? No, no, not at all. I, I carried a very potent tranquilizer rifle. But the tranquilizer didn't affect it? I don't know. You, you see, when he saw me, he gave a sudden lunge forward, and it, it so startled me, I fired, 
And I missed. You missed a whole dragon? Uh, fortunate for me, though, when, when he lunged, he bunked his head on a long stalactite that hung from the ceiling of the cave. Well, I guess that slowed him down. Considerably. But still, he, he let out a bellow of flame that fairly scorched my Macintosh, as uh, you can see. Mm, yeah, I see. I'm afraid it, it singed the hairs on my hand, and I I dropped the tranquilizer gun. Mm. But uh, is it still back in the cave? I'm afraid so. Well, lucky he doesn't have a trigger finger, otherwise he's liable to come hunting for you. Hmm, he's armed enough with that breath of his. Well, I don't understand why you're bothering him in the first place. It's the neighbors. He's been nipping their sheep, I'm afraid. Also, if, if they ever get a look at this thing, they'll have the authorities down here so fast. Well, they, they might be able to help. Hmm, I, I think of that confounded publicity, but, but worse... Think of that poor dragon being hauled away and, and put in some cage for the rest of his life. Well, where do you think it comes from? That's what I'm hoping to discover. And to get him back there again. I don't understand why dragons are such a powerful symbol existing all over the world. I believe, uh, just a theory, mind you, but, but I believe that this one may have somehow come from another level. You mean another level of existence? Yes, but but how did it get into this plane? You think that temple near the mouth of the cave has something to do with it? It must, but, but exactly what I can't understand. But creatures from other planes don't usually materialize on this plane, do they? Rarely, but, but occasionally. Yes, uh, once, once when I was meditating with Chief Wampum, I saw a phoenix come come out of the top of his head. It flew about the room and returned into his head again. Good grief. It rather startled the chief. Myths are deep within us. Well, I wish you luck. Aha, I was, I was hoping you might lend a hand. Which one? I'm rather fond of both of them, you know. Uh, if we both go in there, armed with tranquilizers... We may be able to discover whether the cave is just a convenient hole for the dragon to sleep in, or whether it leads down into something. Well, okay, I'll help you, but right now I think I need some sleep. I'll, uh, I'll talk to you later, okay? Hmm, strange. The dragon myths have a fascinating power that goes far beyond anything logical. We know of many prehistoric creatures that existed, yet, yet these dinosaurs and such never affected our myth consciousness as dragons have. Would you like to know why? Oh, the Madonna Vampira. Nice to see you again. Is it? What are you doing up in that tree? Hmm, I'm sucking birds' eggs. Would you care for some? You aren't serious. I don't think so. Will you help me down? Sure. Mm. Uh, there. Oh, it's nice to be close to you again. Oh, it's good to see you. Mm. You were asking about the dragon myths. Yeah, do you know something about them? The dragon is not a reptile. It's only a convenient form in which to describe a cosmic phenomenon. It was at the end of the tertiary age, or what caused the end. A satellite about one half the mass of our present moon 
and four-fifths its size, the tertiary satellite, came to orbit the Earth. It grew closer and closer until its center was only about 1.8 Earth radii away from the center of our planet. The satellite began to break up, to disintegrate. It was this disintegration and what occurred afterwards that etched in the cells of man the powerful dragon myths. For day after day, the satellite, which appeared much larger than our present moon, would rise up over the rim of the Earth, streaming behind it showers of fire like a twisting, lashing tail that swept across the sky. Like a fiery serpent clawing and raging across the heavens, the Earth gushed, the hills reeled, and the water swirled and boiled. When the blood of Elijah drops down upon the Earth, the mountains begin to belch fire. No tree remains unscathed upon the land. The waters dry up. The sea disappears. The heavens begin to burn in a dull flame. The moon falls. The earth is on fire. No stone remains upon another. Good Lord. Then came the terrific rains and the deluge. The great flood. And Noah's Ark, yes. And Atlantis, known in the Bible as Babylon, did not sink but merely went under the waters that shifted and rose. So, you see, dragons lie deep in the shadows of man. As we look in upon the great old Victorian mansion, we see Jack Flanders and the lovely Madonna Vampira slowly stroll. Whoops! That's for next week, kids. Demon sticking pitchforks in my breath. But a demon, what a demon. Through my days and rules.
Meeting of International Conference of Technological Psychiatry. Dr. Fingers Schaefer, the lobotomy kid, rises and turns on the conference the cold blue blast of his gaze. Gentlemen, the human nervous system can be reduced to a compact and abbreviated spinal column. The brain, front, middle, and rear, must follow the adenoid, the wisdom tooth, the appendix. I give you my masterwork, the complete, all-American, de-anxietized man. Blast of trumpets. The man is carried in naked by two Negro bearers who drop him on the platform with sneering brutality. The man wriggles. His flesh turns to a viscid, transparent jelly that drifts away in green mist, unveiling a monster black centipede. Waves of unknown stench fill the room, searing the lungs, grabbing the stomach. Schaefer wrings his hands, sobbing. Clarence, how can you do this to me? Ingrates, every one of them ingrates. The conference start back, muttering in dismay. I'm afraid Schaefer's gone a bit too far. I sounded a word of warning. Brilliant chap, Schaefer, but... Man will do anything for publicity. Gentlemen, this unspeakable and in every sense illegitimate child of Dr. Schaefer's perverted brain must not see the light. Our duty to the human race is clear. Man, he done seen the light, said one of the Negro bearers. We must stomp out the un-American critter, says a fat frog-faced southern doctor who's been drinking corn out of a mason jar. He advances drunkenly, then halts, appalled by the formidable size and menacing aspect of the centipede. Fetch gasoline, fellows. We gotta burn the son of a bitch like an uppity negro. I'm not sticking my neck out me, says a cool, hip young doctor high on LSD-25. Why, a smart DA could fade out. Order in the court. DA. Gentlemen of the jury, these learned gentlemen claim that the innocent human creature they have so wantonly slain suddenly turned himself into a huge black centipede. And it was their duty to the human race to destroy this monster before it could, by any means at its disposal, perpetrate its kind. Are we to gulp down this tissue of horseshit? Are we to take these glib lies like a greased and nameless asshole? Where is this wondrous centipede? We have destroyed it, they say, smuggling. And I would like to remind you, gentlemen and hermorphodites of the jury, that this great beast, he points to Dr. Schaefer, has, on several previous occasions, appeared in this court charged with the unspeakable crime of brain rape. In plain English, he pounds the rail of the jury box. In plain English, gentlemen, forcible lobotomy. The jury gasps. One dies of a heart attack. Three fall to the floor, writhing in orgasms of prurience. The DA points dramatically. 
He it is, he and no other, who has reduced whole provinces of our fair land to a state bordering on the far side of idiocy. He it is who has filled great warehouses with row on row, tier on tier of helpless creatures who must have their every want attended. The drones, he calls them, with a cynical leer of pure educated evil. Gentlemen, I say to you that the wanton murder of Clarence Cowie must not go unavenged. This foul crime shrieks like a wounded faggot for justice at least. Centipede is rushing about in agitation. Man, that motherfucker's hungry, screamed one of the bears. I'm getting out of here, me. A wave of electric horror sweeps through the conference. They storm the exit, screaming and clawing.
Juan from Pedro Show, that's Live Black Flag from a licorice pizza in store. I think. No, it was live at Target Video in San Francisco. It was for a licorice pizza record kind of deal. <laughs> um, Henry's doing some gigs for the Memphis Three Kids. And, uh, oh, there it is. And um, he might be touring that thing with the guys who play with him regularly. He had Dukowski sing a song, Keith Morris sang four or five, Kira sang a now at the week. She told me I was in at the gigs. It was an in-store at Amoeba Records and then a gig at the Whiskey. Uh, before that, we had Fear. No, we did. We just had the ending. So we had William S. Burroughs do this piece on uh, Uncle Bill. Of, uh, yeah, Uncle Bill Burroughs. Meaning of psychiatric convention or some hungry centipede thing. <coughs> anyway, uh, before that we had uh, Demons Are Sticking Pitchforks in My Head by Fear, but I cut off the last 10 second ending and went into Uncle Bill there. So I didn't want anybody to lose out, so I played the ending after Uncle Bill. Bonus. Bonus. And before that we started out third hour with uh, Part 19, Fourth Tower Inverness. Dr. Missoula. And I screwed up and played a little part 20, but you have to wait till next week for that. A lot of uh, pilot error on this show. A lot of show. bonuses. Right, a lot of bonus on this <laughs> special New Year's show here. I wonder what everybody's looking forward to in 2003. I've got some tours. I've got some records. i got Studio Thunderpants underway. Did the yeah, first song of the fourth dose album today. Did Thurston, the Tom Rap thing compilation plus he did a song that I have to give to a cat who's making a compilation this was a weird project the guy says what I'm going to give you a title and I want you to make a song oh cool so the title he gave me was like a ghost on fire so I made a song to it I had some play guitar in it but this Pro Tools thing you know it's pretty trippy uh, versus tape I mean you can literally paste things together yeah, from when I used to work on the radio, I wouldn't even really be able to do my job that I used to shred on because I used to cut tape and yeah, stuff. That's gone. And uh, yeah, you don't even need it. But it's so quick and stuff, and the way you can pace things and get them in sync. And, I mean, there's obviously some losses with the tone and stuff, but in other ways, uh, like it's a role of a conductor versus a musician you know where I'm putting together little performances mm -hmm. I can do this uh, I can see possibilities and so a new door opened yeah, up today huh? right I mean I can't record drums in my apartment you know obviously but you can use the machine for a lot of stuff drum so, machines yeah. and, and I'm not just talking about sequence things where you hit the button and it just starts playing I mean you can play these things with your fingers I mean I can't play a drum set so then and with samples and stuff, it's, I don't know. It'll never replace other ways, but it does open up doors. Did, did you have to, like, throw some extra insulation up? How far did you go? No, with I don't it? have to. Uh -huh. You know, little speakers uh -huh. or the headphones. Nothing has to be loud, nothing. You know, yeah, I can't set up a drum set, but I can do everything else. Mm. A little lamp for Thurston and uh, the bass. I go just direct it. Me and Kara went right into the machine. And some pretty good tones. Cool. You know, listening back to the other three albums for reference, you know, to check ourselves. We were listening and 
Now she knows all this stuff because of a jobs. The film so. editing, huh? She puts dialogue in movies. She did this dangerous of uh, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind that's coming out. <laughs> Do you know about this movie? Chuck Barris claims he oh, yeah, killed thirty three people for the CIA. <laughs> Chucky. <laughs> I just thought he was a Jojo head, you know. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. she did the dialogue and the foley for that. So she, like we did the, this uh, Selena song, uh, Noike no Mas, yesterday. Gene, Gene, the dancing machine. Yeah. It's a right. dig on them. Yeah. <laughs> and she did all these vocal takes and then comped them all into one take like that. Bing, 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 bing. And uh, it's amazing to watch her work like that. So wow. I'm not that quick at it. You know, I'm just learning all this stuff. But Yeah, learning just watching her, learning stuff, huh? Yeah. It's a lot of visual. It's not just listening, it's visual, the way the waveforms come mm-hmm. up on the screen, you know, and you're cutting and you're pasting. So the uh, so you see where you want mechanics your cut, are much different, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you have uh, different takes of the same performances, and you can m- meld them in, you know what I mean? I mean, you could get anal with it, which is probably not the way to go with it. It's not to cure mistakes and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. If you're going to try to get creative and stuff, like Thurston, you know, I can't be with him all the time. He's on the East Coast, but I can uh, yeah, fire fly in performances and, and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. So just new. It's not going to be better. It's just different. It's something interesting for me to explore. And something I can do in a little apartment like mm-hmm. I live in, you know, an econo, not a lot of money, so, you mm-hmm. know. I have a big old studio. But here I've been paying people all these years. I mean, I worked with some great people like Ethan James, Spot. Very honored, you know. But there, there comes to a point, too, where maybe you just want to do it and you, uh, you mm-hmm. don't want to have to go into a studio or, or this and that. Yeah, convenience factor is big. Convenience, big but also a personal creative. Uh-huh. Here, they're always capturing my performances. I was never really in on the... Uh, well, I can. I was playing the bass. Mm-hmm. So here... It's to a, wear a couple of hats. Oh, it's kind of producer uh-huh. role. Couple, yeah, a couple of hats. Now, uh, something I did last week for the skater Ray Barbie. He had me do uh, some bass and sing for this skateboard video. A skateboarder named Bob. He's pretty wild. Bob Shreds. Yeah, you can't stop Bob. That's the name of the song. I mean, this guy takes incredible chances and very artistic with the <laughs> skateboard, you know. So we uh, made him this song, and uh, the drummer was a cat from uh, Real Big Fish. He was in Orange County. He's in the guy's pad. And a nice pad, nice mics, everything, and he played the drums, and Ray played guitar, and I played bass, sang. And OC is always tripping for me to go to, you know. Yeah. It's another yeah. one of these things where the pads are way far from stores yeah right they're right in strip malls the curtain, people yeah. are in the uh, cul-de-sacs master plan communities and uh yeah plan it was so the well. city of orange but it wasn't the old town yeah, this was definitely Burbank, yeah, I would yeah run out of gas going to the gas station in some of those places yeah. there's like there's no place over the to hills go. <laughs> far away totally and uh, the couple uh, this guy this drummer uh carlos nice cat and his wife just married, newlyweds, and I at the end, you know, I said no disrespect or anything, but this seems like kind of a square jawed neighborhood for you guys. I'm not saying that's bad because 
sometimes living where it's too hip is lame. Uh, yeah. You just become a social organism, you get no work done. Mm. You know? But I, I was just kind of confused. So they dig it, they, they picked it, grow up and, down there? Uh, no, I think it was a parent connection or something. I think they are from OC, though. And, because uh, if, if you're from there sometimes, you just want, don't know any better. Yeah, and I didn't want to mean disrespect or anything. Because look at me and Pedro. Uh, they're not the most hip uh, music people living uh-huh. here. But in a lot of ways, I got the righteous geography. Great people like you. Yeah. you know? But you are kind of hip. But there's some other Pedro people I know that aren't... Uh, don't get past PCH too much. Yeah, but they're still good folks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And in a way, uh, it's... They're, they're my people. Thermos bottle insulation, you know? Because mm. if you're too connected to the pulse, I swear, you get so social. You have the happy balance. Yeah, you don't get anything done. I mean, you should maybe be St. Anthony of the cave doing the hermit rock, but... That gets lonely. <laughs> yeah. But on the other hand, if you're so connected and at every party, and they say, well, do you get anything done? <laughs> nope. Yeah. Like that cat from Hull, Eric. You know, I see him at every gig, you know. That I'm too, so it means he's probably at everyone. And um, when's the last time you did any music? You know that cat's from Pedro. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Amazing uh, likeness of Greg Gant. Anyway, back to music. Here's something that Ray Barbie did on his own. He's a nice man. And uh, it's funny to talk to a skater getting into the 30s. And thinking about midlife and, well, can I do this? Yeah, still shredding. Yeah, I think it's great. And uh, I was in the 7-Eleven uh, getting soap for wash. I did wash last night before I come. And uh, there was like four or five skateboard magazines in the rack I'd never even heard of. But remember, you don't need a magazine, kids. You can just go need for the it. Board. You just need a board and some dare. <laughs> All right, Watt from Pedro Show.
from Pedro Show started off that set with uh, Triumphant Procession Procession by Ray Barbie our past lives after that with Wipers from their box set Go Sleep Power Games by Peg Legacies off their new album you like that name yeah, Peg Legacies that's good they're old buddies <laughs> of mine they live in Texas they're from Block Island Rhode Island and they been around a long time and that's their newest album and uh, after that was Scritti Politti Mesothetics and then we just heard No Point in the Point by Soames and Henry Mitchell's band he's recording some right now with Tony Platt and Nobody and uh, that tune there no point in the point it was from a couple of years ago. He came over my pad with four tracks and what can you do a bass solo and read some spiel? So I did that. So you heard me <laughs> doing that. Watt from Pedro show. Getting into the end game of uh, New Year's show, 2003. Here's some pop group.
winter shines is the beast Fascinating angels Short God
Watt from Pedro Show. Here we go with our uh, finish here. Uh, that's kind of generic, huh? But I like the name of the band. It's kind of what I think should be the motto for this year, 2003. It's called Autopilot Off. Folks, try that strategy. And the song's called Wide Awake. Try that one, too. Stay wide awake. Don't watch the news. Don't watch. <laughs> uh, no, what is it? What did Bobby Dylan say? Watch, uh, don't follow leaders. Watch parking meters. Yeah. Pup don't work because the vandal stole the handle. <laughs> Sometimes Satan comes as a man of peace. Yeah. <laughs> Bob had a bunch. Bob had a bunch. Right. You don't need a weatherman to know which way the wind blows. <laughs> anyway, kind of generic song. You know, Juan Relsenfelder gave me the CD. It wasn't from the kids in the band. They've got uh, politically correct outfits on, tattoos. So. Be an original. All together now. <laughs> Before that, we had Carlos Guitarlos. I'm on bass guitar there. That was the thing. And Pete Mazich on the organ. Ain't that loving you? Uh, Brother Matt's talking about his notebook of hundreds of songs. Carlos, yeah, Carlos got a big old stack of new songs that he'll probably never get to, but yeah, there's a hopefully, bunch of classics in God there. God gives hopefully. him enough time, though, because yeah, cause he's he, true treasure. He definitely got some talent. Yeah. Marsha Ball before that with My Mind's Made Up. Did I play that before? I don't remember <laughs> not, not that one. No, no. I think that was fresh. Ah, shit. I got to look at the playlist maybe a little more. <laughs> and we start off with Sense of Purpose by Pop Group. That's dedicated to these uh, uh, people who clone these folks, right? This little girl named Eve, maybe. Who knows? It gets Let's new jive. mythology coming pretty yeah, soon. New really. goat boy. Sense of Purpose. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, happy New Year's Day to everyone out there, from Pedro to you. Thank you, Brother Matt. Thank, Thank you, Chris, you. for coming by. I'm sorry you missed uh, Thurston, Dave Markey, and Andy. Yeah. He's from the neighborhood? Yeah, Andy Boss. Yeah. Cool, bro. Cool. Okay, Brother Matt, thanks for the assist. Cool. Thank you. Essential. Have a great New Year. Yeah, and uh, see you next time. Keep your powder dry.